Matthew, we're back for another effed up February episode. How do you feel about we, that? I'm frightened and a little bit excited. Yeah, you're feeling mentally prepared for another one of these? I don't think I ever will be. Yeah. So this week we're doing Possessor with Sam. But the question is, if you could possess someone, what 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 sort of Facebook groups would you force them to join? I, well, I would join the Creative Psychopaths group. That's oh, that would be a good thing. To yeah, do. They're, they're in there. They're in there for sure. I mean, if they're anybody who's worth the salt, they'd be in there already. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And of course, the other social medias that you could force them to follow. Yeah, such as Letterboxd, Instagram, Twitter, just by searching for Creative Psychopaths. Yes. And if I had the same experience, I would uh, make them download this episode uh, on whatever podcast uh, thingy thingy that they choose to use. Um, but unfortunately, we don't have those powers, so all we can do is plea for you to um, achieve such things for us. for us. So without further ado, let's stop waffling and get off this whatever it is we're saying, and get on with the episode. Let's do it. Hello everyone and welcome back to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast and the world's premier kitchen for horror sandwiches. What are those horror sandwiches I hear you shout? Well, the film is a filling surrounded by chatty goodness and that's where you get your sandwich from. I'm Mark and as always I'm joined by Matthew. Hello there. Hello, how are we today? I am full of beans. Feeling uh, deja vu? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> This week we're joined for the third time by Sam, who uh, at one point was a oh, he was a cheeky little uh, host, hosted our quiz for us. Quizmaster General. That's it. But he has put himself on mute. <laughs> uh, no, I was I was just uh, building up some uh, dramatic tension. Oh, I like it. I like it. I do like a bit of dramatic tension. Well, any kind of tension I, 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 I like. Uh, I don't know. What other types of tension are there? Who's to say? Well, um, the first that came to mind was sexual, so I'd, I'd prefer to keep that off the pod. Yeah. If, if I, have, I have noticed a bit of that, to be honest, between uh, between you two. No, well, yeah, no, there's no tension, though. It's, it's all out, out on the table. <laughs> it's all, it's been well, resolved. Not out on the table, so to speak. It's... It's it's out there. It's out there for everyone to enjoy. Um, like Bert and Ernie. <laughs> so um, this week, uh, listening to a podcast that I enjoy very much, they use a turn of phrase that life is like a roller coaster. I get that because uh, you know ups and downs. You know you've got to suffer the suffer the downs to get the ups. Well, um, well you know, hopefully you don't have to suffer too many downs, but. It occurred to me that roller coasters themselves, it's the ups that are the boring bit. That's the clicky-clack bit. You know what I mean? That's the bit where you sat there going, oh, or, or is it the anticipation bit? I don't know. For me, it's the boring, you know, click, clack, click. And then and then the down bit is the, hey, this is fun. Uh, so, yeah, maybe life's not like a roller coaster or maybe life's more like uh, something where the up is good and the down sucks. Heaven and hell? Oh, maybe the, you know, it, it depends on the roller coaster, but also, you know, if, if you if you even enjoy the roller coasters, you know, oh, some people, true. you know, may dislike the downs intensely, but where, also find the ups, you know, the time where they get a nice view of things. Oh, that's true, yeah. So, um, sort of... Uh... Maybe life is like a roller coaster. Uh, it's all sort of based on how you look at it. I would say it. life is certainly more like a roller coaster than it is a box of chocolates. Yeah, well, I, I think in America they do have that sort of mystery chocolate thing, whereas in the UK we we get a little map, don't we? A little map of chocolates. 
or, or individual raps. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That reminds me, we, we had some quality streets at a meeting the other day, and uh, the raps really aren't what they used to be. They're, they're, they're not quite as uh, festive feeling. Is it the, the the new environmentally friendly approach? Yes, yes, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Sam, any thoughts on uh, roller coasters or chocolates? When I uh, when I did my work experience as a boy, they uh, gave me a box of chocolates as a kind of reward, <clears throat> and they were extremely expired. They were horrible, and it made me never want to work again. Oh, that's uh, um, that's the worst thing that could happen with chocolates, is it not? So yeah. I would say if it wasn't for the chocolates or something else would have got you on that front. <laughs> you know, like the, the misery of working. Almost mm. certainly bad working conditions and poor pay. Yeah. 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 Or, a, or a lecce manager perhaps trying to take a look at your goods. <laughs> not that that's I, ever happened to me. Uh, yeah, I'm yet to have a lecce manager. Well, you know, the time is... There's, there's always time for a lecce manager. Um Right, well, um, let's try and get on with this thing then. Uh, yeah, we've 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 got over the lecce managers. I think we we can we can move on. Um, I promise not to stare at anybody in a toward way. Otherwise, That's why I turn the webcam off for these recordings. Otherwise, we'll have to get the creative psychopath HR involved, and and I think I'm the HR, and I really don't want to tell myself off. Um, so Sam, well, before we get started. You've got some things to say. You're going to sell yourself, I think, to the to the listeners, to the to the world. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Well, I think I think the plan was for me to to plan something to say, but I haven't because um, I'm completely disorganized. So, You're a uh, renegade. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I I have a business, which I guess means I'm my own lecture manager. Um, and I sell uh I sell Game Boys that I have uh I've modified. I've put new screens on them, I put new cases on them. Uh which probably sounds quite boring to a lot of people, but I know that there's gonna be some people out there who are really interested in this sort of thing. Uh um And I also think almost all of our listeners probably have had a Game Boy at one point and well, would may I, like to relive some of those wonderful memories. Either they have or they missed out as a kid. And mm. you know they've got an opportunity to uh, to find that joy now. Um, so yeah, so uh, I think the best way to describe it would be to kind of show people. Uh, I've got an Instagram for my business, uh, which is at Instagram.com forward slash Gold Star Retro. Gold Star Retro. Gold Star Retro. Um, which is the name I just sort of came up off the off the top of my head, which is why it sounds a bit goofy. Um, but have a look at it. Have a look at the stuff I make. Um, it's kind of my passion. It's my hobby more than my business. Uh, it's something I'd probably just be doing even if, you know, no one else was interested in the whole world. Um, but people do enjoy these. Um, I've sold a few, and uh, it's it's something that people really like. It's a way of, you know, playing the old Pokemon games, but having it look nice rather than having the screen be all muddy and, and rubbish. Um so yeah, check check it out. Gold Star Retro. Have a look, and um, if any of them sort of take anyone anyone's interest, let me know. So would they message you directly on Instagram? Would that be the best way? They can message me on Instagram. I've also got an Etsy store and uh, and an eBay as well. Though I don't I don't tend to use my eBay um, for that. Um, but yeah, the Gold Star Retro is also my Etsy store. If they want to check it out there, yeah. Um, well, I have to say, you, you've sent me a few pictures, and they are beautiful things. And for those those of you who do miss out on Game Boys, this is this is your time to get the Tetris music stuck in your head forever, um, or Mario World Two. Oh yeah, that was a, that was a quality one. Yeah, I used to yeah. love that as a kid. I played this it in the car the once. Time. And it made me sick. <laughs> I I used to get. Uh, bullied by my brother with Game Boys because we both got one for the uh, the same Christmas, and he got Pokemon Red and I got Pokemon Blue, and we got a connecting cable, and he made me start a new game, choose one of the starter Pokemon, go to the first transfer place, and then transfer it to him so that he 
got all of the stars without having to actually do anything. Oh. You were his was, mule. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I, I should get a Game Boy to, you know, make him do that as intended. Yeah, yeah, be your own man. Get out from the uh, shadow of your brother. Yeah, well, the joke's on him. The starters aren't always up to something. Build a well-rounded Pokemon team. Um, get, uh, get yourself a missing note. Oh, exciting times. Um, So, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to sizzle for later. So, we've talked about that. So, later on, we're going to have a little bit of video game chat. Video game horror movie chat. But for now, we've got some questions for you, Sam. Some additional questions. <gasps> oh. So, the first one is, what is the best remake? Right. Yeah, I was thinking about this one. Um and uh as a uh, as a Nick Cage fan, I was tempted to say um uh, say the Wicker Man, but um <laughs> actually that's a rubbish film. Um I mean it's you know it's it's charming, it's funny, but it's it's uh it's not it's not a good film. It's not better than the original. He also uh, did a remake of Wings of Desire called City of Angels, which is also just really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the problem is that a lot of the time remakes aren't as good as the uh, as the original, um, and actually the, the one I, the one I thought of isn't isn't better than the original. But it was it was a it was a good good movie and it was a good experience that I had watching it as well. Okay, uh, and that was the uh, remake of the Evil Dead, <laughs> which was uh, when was that? Sixteen two thousand sixteen. That was no, that was that was much earlier than that. Of course it was. it was. Yeah, we were we were still at uni, weren't we? We, we were. We w- watched it together. So that that is why it was a nice experience. You know, we uh, we went out as a, I think as a flat. Was it a double date or did we go as a flat? I think it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and um, it was just good. You know, it's it's a laugh. It's the sort of movie that you don't have to take too seriously, mm. and um, it's got great practical effects. It was just it was uh, it's just a it's a good you know go to the movie with your mates film. Uh, it was a laugh. It was good fun. Yeah, twenty thirteen. That one was. Mm. Um, We're all rushing headlong to the grave. But uh, yeah, that that so far has been the right answer. You know, we often we often say have whatever you want, but that has been the right answer. Me and Matthew said that, and I think did Tia say that too? She might have done. Although I think she may have actually. Forgotten all memory of watching it, but I'm convinced we watched it together. So, yeah. All right. So, yeah. So, so far, so far, that's the king of the remakes. Um. So, what's the next question, Matthew? I have on my list the best score slash soundtrack for a horror film. Ooh. All right. Cool. This one is actually um another remake. I think technically, um, uh, Cat People. The 1980? 80s, anyway. Movie Cat People. Mm. Uh, the soundtrack was done by uh, Giorgio Moroder and uh, David Bowie. Um, in fact, the the Bowie song was also in the film Inglorious Bastards. Um, but it's, it's fantastic. Fantastic soundtrack. Just It's the sort of soundtrack that you can just put on and listen to. As an wow. album, you know, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, I must admit, I've never, I can't say I've seen that film or um, heard the soundtrack. Oh, I, I was I was only aware of the original. Uh, I've now which, added it to my Apple Music. Yeah, I mean the the original film is available on BBC iPlayer for free, or it was the last time that I saw it. So, yeah, certainly uh, one for that. But I, yeah, I'm I'm going to have to find the remake now. Mm. For for, uh, for clarification, it's 1982. I just looked it up. You're right. It was lovely. So... Yeah, that's uh, yeah. You've given us one to hunt down now. Check it out. Yes, I shall look forward to watching that. So the next, the next, the next question is: What is the best opening? Right. Okay. Uh, this is uh, actually looking at it. This is another remake, and it's another kind of soundtrack answer. I think basically, as I was answering these questions, I was just layering on uh, the ideas. So, um, 
This was the uh, Hills Have Eyes remake. Um, and it's it's uh, it opens with uh, uh, shots of nuclear testing and uh, mutants being born uh, over a country ballad by Webb Pierce called More and More. And um, I guess it's a kind of cheesy idea of putting uh, a very cheerful kind of upbeat song over a uh, over a very kind of sinister image but um yeah it it sets out what the movie's going to be about it gives you a sense of unease and fear and it's it's nicely edited as well yeah that's, an, that's another one i haven't seen you're doing well for that you're doing well for ones i haven't seen i saw the original hills of eye so i've no and i don't, i want a big fan so i haven't gone back into that but that sounds like it made an impact um and it does sound like a good opening actually yeah, it's it's worth a watch, even if you just look up the opening on uh, on YouTube. I mean, the rest of the film's pretty, uh, yeah, it's, it's of its time. But um, but yeah, the 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 intro I think is is pretty great. Yeah, it's uh, Alexandre Arya or Arja is the director for it, wasn't he? I've I've found him to be very hit and miss as a director. So mm. I, I would like to think this is one of his hits. Yeah, I think it's a pretty quality one. Well, and what year was that? Two thousand and six. Yeah, was the remake. Don't think he's released anything since Crawl, which a lot of people enjoyed. What for me was one of his misses. Hmm. So I'll have to give that a go. Right. So, oh, what is the next question? That, that's that's a thing. Well, the the next question is a two parter. Ooh. So, or a one part, depending on how you want to answer. Well, yeah, uh, we, we go for the best uh, protagonist and antagonist, or one or the other, if you prefer. So, I, w- I wasn't sure whether you wanted uh, one or, or both. So, I have I have answered both. Um, yeah, we like so both. My my favorite antagonist uh, is, I guess it's a movie. Is it is it a horror? It's one of those kind of. I think half the movie is a horror, and half is kind of a, an action movie. Um, it's Michael Parks, the late Michael Parks, as Pastor Cooper in Red State. Okay, very good. Uh, I think he's he's fantastic. I mean, he's a great actor, or was a great actor. Um, mm. And he's he's just fantastic in it. Sinister, charismatic. Um, he's got that kind of like, uh, kind of I don't know, um, charismatic preacher energy going on. Incredibly sinister and uh, and just great. Well, you. This is actually a, a bit of an an awkward time to be saying this because we, at, at the time of recording, we're a couple of days before our Tusk episode is released where me and Mark said pretty much exactly what you've just said there about how great Michael Parks is. Yeah, yeah. What a guy, um, what a guy. Yeah, he's, again, you know, fantastic in Tusk as well. But we, so we did say Red State, he's really great in that, fantastic. I mean, he, he makes the movie. The rest of the movie's fine, but but Michael Parks is the is the heart of that. Yeah, the 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 monologue scene in the you know in the service is yeah really fantastic performance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, like like Matthew said, you're um, echoing what we said last week, which was that Michael Parks carried he well he carried Tusk as well. So yeah, really really great. That's a really good one. And so, do you have a good protagonist? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yes, I do. Um uh so the film I can't remember if I mentioned this when I was on before, the film You're Next. Um which is which is kind of a, a slasher. I'm sure I in fact I'm sure I talked about this. Um mm, yeah. Uh but the 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 uh protagonist, Erin, the the um kind of the surviving girl from uh from You're Next, because the the um the movie kind of flips over halfway through and she goes from being the one of the victims to becoming kind of the perpetrator. She she attacks the the slashers and pursues them around uh, and sets up kind of uh, traps like a, a violent um, Home Alone, Macaulay Culkin. Um, <laughs> uh, and I think the movie. I, well, I was about to say what how the movie ends, but I won't do that. But um, yeah, but yeah, I think she's great. She uh, she's got this kind of uh, vicious energy, like a trapped animal. Um. And uh, and and again, I think you know, she's she's the memorable performance from that movie. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking about your next the other day because um, I was thinking a lot about what twi- twists in films I've enjoyed. And that's up there with one of my very, very favorite twists because, you know, it, it sets itself up as, I guess, a home invasion. And then, uh, well, as you said, what happens, what what happens, happens. And you go, oh, <laughs> this is different. So, yeah, no, I really like that. Um, yeah, that is a good choice. Yeah, we like we like films that play with the format and characters that help us do it. Yeah. Oh well, delicious. A delicious first slice of bread. But let's get into the effed up filling, eh? We're gonna be talking about Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor. And uh, as we did with the Tusk episode, towards the end we'll decide whether it's effed up or not. Um but for now, let's get into some of the details. Uh, so Possessor 2020, um, as I already said, directed by Brandon Cronenberg. Um, this, for me, is actually the first Brandon Cronenberg film I'd seen. And I made a bit of a mistake at first, I think, of thinking I was watching a Cronenberg film until I sort of thought, hang on, these are two different guys. Um, yeah, so, father and son. Yeah. <laughs> which is the second run in Keating song with mentioned on here oh well well done uh, i mean obviously i knew they were father and son but i think i sort of you know i think cronen cronenberg or cronenberg like actually i don't think that's a word of it's a cronenbergian cronenbergian thank you very much it's a specific horror term so when you see that name you sort of have expectations but uh yeah you're expecting uh, body horror aren't you with, yeah. with that <laughs> you are sort of um yeah so this movie stars Andrea Riseborough as uh, Tazia Voss, but mostly referred to as just Voss. Christopher Abbott as Colin. Uh, Sean Bean as John Pass. Jennifer Jason Lee as Gerda, which uh, if you're from the 80s, you remember Iron Brew used to be made of. <laughs> um, sorry. And uh, Tuppence Mil- Middleton as Ava. Now, I only got the box office in at 901093 but I couldn't find what the budget was. Um, so, unfortunately, so, I, don't, I, mean, I don't have that information. That that box office figure is severely affected by the pandemic there, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. It was, like you say, released uh, 2020, and it just didn't, it just sort of passed by, really, didn't it? Yeah, in a time where, you know, there were like four films coming out for the entire year, it just got, I, I think possibly over here even, it was straight to DVD right, and straight to digital. So I think the, the box office in terms of traditional metrics was, was, was pretty low, uh, you know, just for that reason. But I, I imagine, I, I get, I was always of the opinion that when films are straight to DVD, I, I think they do tend to get a little bit more success than people think. Because I still think even now there is quite a strong tradition of people just picking something up to watch while they're doing the weekly shop. Uh, and so I certainly do remember it being in shops you know during the during the pandemic yeah um so for those people who don't know what this is about it's um sort of center around centers around the character of Voss who um through some versions of technology that's not really explained uh she's able to pop her mi- mind into other people um and she's an assassin with this. Um, and, yeah. Uh, I think, so what happens is we see her do an initial assassination, and then later on she possesses a man named Colin, and um, it sort of starts going a bit wrong for her. Um, and so that's what the sort of movie's about, really, is sort of um, what's it like to be controlled by somebody else, not not being controlling your own actions or, you know, potentially stuck inside someone else's own own head. Um, 
So what things do you like about this movie? Well, personally, uh, everything. <laughs> I, I, I love it. When I, when I first saw it, I was, um, I was blown away. Right. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's weird. It's a very weird movie. But, I saw, oh, well, okay, to isolate one of the things I really, really like, um, I think uh, visually it's, it's incredibly di- disturbing and troubling. It's really, really hard to watch. And I think that's what a horror movie should be. Yeah, it's got that. Uh, it's got those little sort of dream sequency sort of bits in, isn't it? That are, you, they're really like I, I'd say they kind of vibrate. I'd say the way that I would describe them, you can never really pin down a, an image on them, but they leave you with this kind of grotesque feeling a lot of the time, and. Mm. Fit, you know, feel awkward to watch, and the sound that goes along with them is is just as awful. <laughs> you know, and that's like you say, it does make it difficult to watch. Yeah, it's visceral. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is visceral. To me, this movie's got a, a real feeling of loneliness. Uh, it, the characters in it uh, make me feel lonely. Voss is. You know, uh, there are moments in it where, you know, she sort of returns to her family from whatever, and she has to sort of charge herself up to even being a person. And it Mm. sets her aside from everybody else. But, you know, later when we jump into Colin and see his life, it's very, very similar. And, you know, like, he's got this job where I'm not quite sure what the job actually is because it seems to be just looking at curtains. Um, (laughs) You get a visor and you look at curtains. Um, not really sure what that's about. Um, but again, it's it's he sort of feels like he's living this lonely life. He's got this job that he doesn't want um, from a potential father-in-law who hates him. And sat in a room of people, he's still completely alone, trapped inside his visor thing. So it has got... Um, I, I feel like all the way through, it's got this sort of very lonely feeling, which considering it's two people in one body is uh, uh, a bit odd. <laughs> mm. I think that's that's kind of a, a massive part of it because it's the, the whole, you know, that whole film is, the, there's so much of it, you know, about bodily autonomy and, you know, not being in control of your own, your faculties, but also like that separation of mind and body. And, you know, there's certainly a you know, trans element to that as well, which mm-hmm. right, very similar to the, to the matrix. I'd say in that regard, uh, this goes probably a bit more, a bit more uh, visual with it, which, you know, makes it kind of obvious, but the, the way that it does show that like separation of mind and body just, Again, you know, two people inhabiting one body can be extremely lonely because neither of them feel like they belong there. Neither of them feel like they're the owner of the body. Mm, yeah, yeah. It 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 does it does a really good job of of converting. It must do if I got it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I I am getting I am getting I think a lot better at um at watching films and figuring out what they're about. <laughs> Um, it's also got some great practical effects. Uh, well, fantastic practical effects. Yeah, yeah. Bro- brought to you by the same man who did the practical effects in Human Centipede Two. Um, but right, he's okay. <laughs> but he is. Um, I forgot his. I've forgotten his name. I actually meant to write it down because I really thought that he was. It, that the effects in this were really were. Was so good it was worth mentioning, but do you know what? I forgot. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's what is one on on my list of things to talk about. Is it the? I, I don't really want to say the gore because it doesn't feel like that traditional horror movie gore, but you know, certainly the the violence and the the killings and stuff in it they 
like I had to look away and flinch all the time. That they're, they're so realistic and yeah. impactful that it's it's a real wince inducing film. Yeah, it's it's uh, it. I, I, I'm thinking about some of the bits now. Some of the the surgical violence mm. um, is is just it's 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 horrible. It's it's like. It's like it's not even just like a horror movie where it's scary. It's like it's actually like like horrible. Uh it's kinda of, it's kinda of like it, it's I don't know, profaning the human form. It's just it just it may it makes you feel miserable. Uh which I know it sounds like a negative thing, but I think it's it's kind of taking that idea of horror and, and just amplifying it. Finding the things in, in horror that are the most unsettling and just amplifying them. Yeah. yeah, it's not really a film that takes glee in its horror, is it? You know, it doesn't doesn't really have fun with the horror. It is a film where it is it's horror that's horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I will just add the guy's name's Dan Martin. Um, so yeah, I was actually listened to a little interview um with him, and he was talking about some of the events in, in, in the horror events in this and why they do come across as so visceral because a lot of what you see is extreme versions of things you can relate to. Um, you know, like let's talk, I mean, if we talk about the initial, the first killing when she sort of stabs the guy, you know, and it's, it's obviously more brutal than anything you could possibly imagine, but you know, all of us have had a cut or something like that. So it's like, it builds upon something that you've got a frame of reference for. So it's, um, which is something I've been saying on here for ages, which is, you know, like stuff that's way over the top and you've got no feelings for does tend to come across funny. Like, you know, yeah, I think the, uh, the one that really did it for me was the scene with Sean Bean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With, with the, the teeth and the eye. And yeah. I thought that was just like, you know, we, we've been to the dentist, we've had toothache and, you know, dial that up. It's just, yeah, it's yeah. monstrous. Exactly. We've all had, you know, because the, the, it's like, a, I think, a fire poker or something that goes down his throat. And again, it's that sort of idea that we've all had, you know, had food gone down the wrong way. So we know what it's like to feel that sort of thing, but it's just at that extreme level. Oh, it's a really interesting interview, actually. Um, uh, but yeah, the curious thing about that—it must have been—it must have been really hard work for Sean Bean because the way they did that effect was they I hope they don't ruin it for people, but they had like a sort of blood pump in the sort of poker. So while it's in there, it's sort of pumping blood into his throat, which so he's obviously coughing that up. It must have been hard work to do as a stunt, but yeah. Um, if if there's anyone that's Practiced in oh. dying on screen though, and doing the grizzly stuff. It's Sean Bean in it. <laughs> Typecast as a dying guy. That's yeah. true. But give him his due. He survives it. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, probably the most unrealistic thing throughout the whole film, isn't it? <laughs> Where they've invented a machine that allows you to possess the body of another person. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, I think the other thing that really. Uh, stands out though is that the the acting in this is um you know is really really great uh, andrea riseborough and christopher abbott obviously they're the main two people in this and the thing i thought was good was um when when christopher abbott has got no sorry when colin's got voss in his head you could see the difference in the in the character um which i thought was really 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 great to see you know like um it's like uh it's like face off <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like a really violent face off which is itself quite a violent film yeah yeah, yeah. playing a character like a couple of layers deep isn't he you know he's not just mm. playing the character he's played someone else pretending to be the same character yeah yes. but it's, it's just to feel like it's acted so well that you get you don't. It sort of lifts out, and you do go, "Oh, that's Voss there." And yeah, and, and I mean, you yeah, end up giving see Voss 
studying him and you know the the, the inflections and the, the mannerisms and then you know later in the film he's doing those same things yeah but he's got to get them just slightly off so yeah. that we know that it's you know not the the character doing it it's the person possessing the character that's doing it you know he he makes it work he does a great job with it Yeah. yeah, it's like uh, an, an imperfect impersonation of himself. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, 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 it's very clever stuff. Um, so obviously, you know, in terms of it being an effed up movie, there is obviously a lot of graphic violence. Um, I think perhaps mainly the main effed up bit, unless there's anything else you really want to talk about, is that um, another assassin. Possesses her son, um, and there's a yeah. Whole... There's a few bits and pieces, aren't there, where other people possess nearby, yeah, standings. Uh, I thought it was a very, like, probably the only light-hearted bit of the film is that uh, when Colin's friend from work is also uh, an assassin. <laughs> I've yeah. not mentioned it. We have to. Uh, the person you possess, and you have to kill that person to to get out. So he asks his friend to uh, to shoot him to kill him. He's oh no, I can't. I'm a Christian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Despite working for a firm that of assassins, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's see. I mean, the only thing, other thing I've really got written down is. Um, and this is just me asking stupid questions is there's a bit when as Colin, she's drinking alcohol and it made me wonder because she's technically still in her own body. So does the alcohol not affect her or because she's putting on this sort of drunk persona, but clearly is not drunk. I was just like wondering how that works. I know it's not very relevant. But I was just wondered. I kind <laughs> of think that if you scratch this, a little bit, you will just get deeper and deeper into <laughs> the, the sort of the logic of this this machine. I think sort of the beauty of it is that it it, it doesn't give you that excuse because if you're going to you know come up with this sort of central idea to build the film around, of mm. you either have to explain it to the point where it's bulletproof or or just don't bother and just say we can do this thing there you go don't you know don't establish rules so that if the broken like you know with alcohol or, or there, there are questions about it mm. you, you don't have to answer them because you've not set them up to begin with yeah that's a valid point that's a valid point and this film doesn't do it doesn't hold your hand does it it doesn't um it doesn't <laughs> say oh look this is this is how we're doing this it just goes look this is a thing that's happening i think uh, the the whole tone of the film would would suffer for it if they they tried to be, you know it because it, this film's mostly pretty trippy you know there's there's very you don't really get many scenes of just two people sat in a room talking uh and you know you don't get much exposition so i think shoehorning the rules of how these things work would it would have just been antithetical to the whole thing yeah i think there's there's something that a lot of films do when they've got a, a science fiction concept which is that they have to like cut to some guy doing a ted talk about the thing so like yes. some, <laughs> it's like some scientist on stage going we've invented this way of going into people's brains and and it's clearly just like to explain an idea but you, I don't think you need it explained. I think well, you know. the, for for me, the the opening scene did all the explanation that we needed. Yeah, it shows how it works. You know, and yeah. I, I was thinking for the first, you know, for maybe first three quarters of an hour, I was thinking, you know, what, it would have been nice if we'd have, you know, sat with Andrea Riser, maybe you know, got ten fifteen minutes of her, you know, going into different people and mm. you know doing the job 
three or four times, you know, so that we got an idea of either like, oh, she's the best or she's she's gradually losing it, you know. And then yeah. I, I thought, you know, oh, you know, the idea of this is that it, the scariness is that we, you know, these people could be anyone and this violence could just be pre-planned but seemingly random and yeah i thought that's what that's where it was going until i realized i was completely wrong and it was going somewhere completely (laughs) different (laughs) and you know the the film that that i was thinking this was going to be for the first part would have needed those rules setting or, or would have benefited from it whereas the film that we actually got just just doesn't you could have um you could have had a nice montage at the start with her like possessing different people possessing a clown at a birthday party shooting well yeah them. i mean you know there's there is probably a good film in there somewhere that does that i wonder what uh, uh what song you could use for the uh the montage i, I would pick song two by blur <laughs> <laughs> about the uh the man in me by uh bob dylan yeah, or I'll go for Zack Snyder's old reliable and the times there are changing. <laughs> the brains there are changing. Oh, perfect. Very good. <laughs> I haven't got one, my uh, I don't know. Walking oh. on sunshine. <laughs> Walking on sunshine. Scotty doesn't know. There you go. <laughs> oh, there's, there's a real horror film right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's see. I don't know how much more that you want to talk about. There are other moments of practical effects that I thought were were very good. The moment that she jumps into Colin for the first time when she sort of melts away and remelts back into him was, I thought, very good. And not like you said, Matthew, trippy. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the montage with the mask, I think, was also the... I think where they separate as well, uh, you know, and they sort of almost like conjoined twins and they like they, they cut themselves yeah. apart and stuff. That's all, you know, really impressive how they've they've managed to do it. But I, I would be happy if I never have to look at it again. <laughs> they kind of become fused together like two uh, two giant smarties that have cracked a little bit, and the chocolates leaked out on a hot day. <laughs> That's a very specific. I mean, we've all been there. You buy a bag of of uh, giant Smarties and you drop them on the floor when they're still cold from the fridge and they crack a little bit. And you put them in the car and you forget about them and then you open them. And then inside, they fuse together. And then your son looks at you and you realise he's been possessed by another assassin. <laughs> <laughs> and then later, you don't really care. Yeah, you just you just don't give a hoot. <laughs> I don't give a hoot about this. <laughs> um well i don't know i think we've talked about it enough um yeah i would say probably one last uh last note i would say is that if when we we do these questions again and we ask for best opening scene i would say that this one would certainly qualify as one of the right answers yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's a great opening sets it out stylish mm Oh, I, I would say actually, there's two there's two versions of the film out. There's uh, the uncut version, which most streaming services show, and there's a there's a kind of original cut. Actually, I don't I think the original cut is the uncut one. Anyway, there's there's, there's like a, a censored cut which has less violence and less oh. nudity. Oh, well, who uh, wants that? Well, exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's worth being aware of because I know that on uh, on some. Uh, What's the what's the way to put this? On some less legal sites, you will find uh, the the uh, both versions, and I'd probably oh, recommend right. the uh, the uncut one. Yeah, it was the uncut version that I watched, and I was concerned that I was watching the wrong version, and, and I was going to end up um, having seen something different. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up, actually. So yeah, yeah, I also saw the uncut version, and I think that uh, that word uncut does apply to some of the uh, things <laughs> you see in yeah. this version of the film. Yeah. So let's ask this question then. Is does this make it into the effed up movies? 
because oh. go go on fire it away it, it is an f'd up movie yeah there, there's there's a lot of stuff in here that that certainly does qualify uh, but i think the 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 thing that i i struggled with when i was looking at it is that all those the you know those trans allegories in it and i don't know if i was just getting too hung up on that uh, because I, I don't want to call something like that fucked up because it you know it's very clearly not uh but i will say for everything else it probably does tip it over the edge to say that it is <laughs> right Sam, have you any thoughts on that? Oh, you already said, didn't you, that it is. <laughs> there is. I think I think in terms of violence, I think that the, the questions that he asks uh are are perhaps even more than the violence. Uh actually maybe maybe that's just a really wanky thing to say. <laughs> no, the violence is worse. The the, the questions it asks are pretty messed up, but the, the violence is is the is 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 the worst. Yeah, yeah. I um I must admit, I'm a lot less inclined to put it in the effed up movies part. I, the, the violence didn't really affect me at all. Um, and I, I, up until maybe the very end, I wouldn't have even done it. But I think, um, and this is obviously big spoilers for the ending, the fact that she's stuck inside the guy and uh, ends up killing her husband and her child. And then when she returns back to... Um, she manages to get back to her body and she just doesn't give a toss about it. Um, and that's, that's the moment when I, when I went, well, this is fucked. Um, but that was the, that was the main bit for me because for me, for it to sit in the effed up, it has to sit with me for a bit. Something has to sit with me. I can't just walk away from it and go, well, movie. Um, but yeah, so I will, I will happily put it in that, um, in that column. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I think as as well the the question that that goes throughout the film is it's really hard to sort of determine what's real, who's doing what, and a lot of that the hard time. So I, I think to answer that question as well as the bit that we're going to get to about you know what we thought the film was good or not, like I think I'm going to need at least another watch of this film to to begin to make sense of. You know how I really feel about this. Oh right, okay. Um, so the critics, as a general rule, have uh, given it. It's been pretty good. It's got a ninety-four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, six point five out of ten on IMDb and seventy-two percent Metacritic. Um, I do not have the letterboxed one. Let me find it. Uh, well, the letterboxed is a 3.6. Right. Okay. Um, pretty high. Pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead, go ahead and go in first on what I thought about it. We didn't get any Facebook comments. Um, it's an odd one for me, this, because I'm about to say really great things about it. I think it's acted fantastically. Um, I think the effects are really good. Um, and it's does such a good job of, of building a world that it is it is a, it is a great movie. I can see that it's a great movie, but it, it just didn't quite pull me in as as much as I wanted it to. Um, so I am actually going to go for a new it's spooky on this one, and I know you probably don't like don't like me for that, but um, it just didn't quite pull pull me in as I wanted it to. Um, so yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Not well. I would say like just to what I said before about not really knowing what I feel about this film. Uh, it, it is hard for me to say because I, I do just think I need to watch it again uh, because it's you know the, I, I need to work out really what's going on more than than what I did the first time around. But what I will say is that for so much of it, I I, I felt it. You know, <laughs> you just 
got me right inside. So first instinct, I'm going to say creative psychopath, but it, I think it will probably stay there once, yeah. you know, once I, I sit in with it a bit more. And mm. Sam? I mean, I, I think, uh, I mean, I, I really praised it the first time I came on the podcast and mm. uh, I've watched it a couple of times since then. And I think with each watch, I appreciate it more. Um, I think that it, it shows a real uh, creative vision. I think there's there's moments in it that um, uh, have stayed with me for a long time. Uh, not just the violence either. Some of the some of the the, uh, the thoughts, the the ideas that it it kind of brings up. Um, so for me, it's a um, creative psychopath. Excellent. Well, two creative psychopaths to one who it's spooky. I think that makes it a creative psychopath. And as I've said, it is a good it is a good film. Everything about it is good. It just it just didn't. I don't. I, I honestly don't know what it was, and probably if I watched it again, I might like it even more. But it was maybe just... next time we we both sit down, we'll switch on it. Yeah, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps. Um, if I get chance to watch it again with my busy movie schedule as it is. Um, well, I tell you, that's that's the other thing we've mentioned is that Brandon Cronenberg's new film Infinity Pool is is currently doing the festival circuit. It's on at Sundance. And, and he's getting rave reviews. So Yes, that, I've heard it's good. I'm quite looking forward to it. Yeah, that, that's one to keep an eye out. We, we will no doubt talk about that in the future. Mm, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I am. Well, that was a delightful, delightful filling, a delightfully effed up filling um, here in effed up February. Huh. That works out lovely. Um, so what did I sizzle earlier? I sizzled, sizzled a bit of video game chat. Um, so I think we're all gonna we're all gonna have a have a dip at having a go at some questions, which um, you know, I'm not killing for time trying to find the questions. Don't you worry about it's that. It's okay. I've I've <laughs> got them locked and loaded in the old noggin. So the, the the first one we're gonna say then it's uh sort sort of a twist on the uh the the non horror movie which could be made into one is a horror movie that could be made into a video game. Well, I'm going to I'm going to make a real confession here. I've written down the answers to all the other questions, but I forgot to write the answer to this. So I'm I'm rapidly scrolling through my uh my my uh movie collection now trying to trying to think of one. So if you guys want to go ahead, I'm just I feel like honesty is the best policy here. Okay, so... well, well we'll we'll come back to you then. So I'm <laughs> like I I also struggled with this question because I thought like quite that there are more horror movie video games than I expected. You know, I, I completely forgot that there was a Saw video game. And I, I remembered, but still disappointing because I haven't played it yet, is the Evil Dead game. There's actually a few of those ones and and they're all great. Apart from the new one, which I don't know because I've not played yet. Hmm. Uh, and so there because there are so many uh, to my knowledge there isn't a scream video game and i think it would be quite fun to have a video game do for games what scream did for films so you know play with the format a bit you know i'm i'm sure there are lots of them already but you know make jokes about how a lot of horror video games just descend into quick time events Mm. And, and play with that idea you know i think that's that there would probably be legs there and i think a screen video game would be quite fun as a way to do that it's a, a field that's ripe for parody yeah certainly yeah yeah for sure i think i think that'd be pretty good um well i i thought well i've got two that i was thinking of um the first one was Brightburn, which um, but I wasn't quite sure what you'd do with it. So that was why I sort of gave up on that idea. Be um, that uh, that that Superman N sixty four game, but but not <laughs> go flying through hoops and then blast a bunch of people. Yeah, yeah, that you could you could do that. Although, yeah, 
But yeah, I know because I thought I, I thought I, I thought about it, but then I thought I thought you're going either two ways. You're either on the definitely losing side, or you're on the I'm never losing side. So it doesn't really work. Um, so, but the other thought, the other one I thought of would be it would be a bit a bit of an odd one, but uh, the movie host. Um, if you had something that was like a sort of sort of text based video chat game, I think that would be really interesting. Um, it probably end up just having to watch it play out with quick time events and stuff like that. But I think it would be really interesting um, to do something like that. Remember back in the day when they used to have FMV type videos? That'd be good. Yeah. What yeah. was that one called with the uh, the sleepover? Night Trap. Night Trap. Yeah. 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 So something like that. I think it would be uh, be interesting to see something like that. Yeah. Uh, have you thought of one, Sam? Of course I have. Of course I have. Um, <laughs> uh, I was thinking maybe Kill List. I think kind of a, an open world uh, game where you you roam the Midlands, murdering uh, sacrificial figures uh, would would be pretty uh, would be pretty thrilling. You know, while while you've mentioned that about Ben Wheatley, I think that you could make the exact same game, but for sightseers, and yeah, you just uh... you, you just go around. <laughs> It's just in a caravan <laughs> holiday, accidentally yeah, killing could, uh, people until it stops being accidental. You could like <laughs> uh, upgrade your caravan. Like you, you stop off at a, a place and get a new uh, lampshade. You murder murder ten cyclists and get a uh, get a little bike in the corner of your caravan. You run over a bloke at the uh, Nottinghamshire Tram Museum. <laughs> <laughs> what a great movie! Yeah, I was just thinking the descent would actually make something pretty good. Trapped well, in the dark with just a torch, trying to get. It's certainly a... got the location for it, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that would be. I, I think I'm, that'd be one of those ones where you go, oh, I don't really want to play this anymore. And uh... there's a um, there's a game that's very similar to the descent, actually. If anyone's if anyone's interested in that, called uh, the forest. Oh, and, yeah, uh... I've, I've played the forest. I tried to make a house, but I got killed. <laughs> Uh, in fact, that is uh, I've been playing some recently with some uh, some American friends of mine. Yeah, right. Um, and and yeah, we've uh, we've been uh, we've been sort of building a little fort together and uh, venturing into the underground and uh, uh, killing mutants. It's great fun. If if uh, if anyone uh, if anyone wants a, mm. a good scary horror game, I'd say The Forest is uh, comes highly recommended. Well, I I would say that that takes us nicely into our, our last question then. Uh, so we are going to say, what is a scary moment from a video game that you remember? Mm. So um, I, uh, I've i got a good one here. Well, have I got a good one? I've got one that scared me. It's probably not going to be actually scary when I tell other people about it. Um, there's a game called Phasmophobia. Um, I mean, phobia is already in the title, so exactly, phasmophobia, fear of ghosts, which is, I think, actually something I have. I think I'm like deathly afraid of ghosts, and luckily they don't exist, so you know, I'm not going to encounter one. But um, I was playing this game, phasmophobia, and the idea is that you um, you go into these suburban houses that are haunted, and you go around and you investigate the ghosts, and as you're playing, the the haunting kind of increases. You get these kind of manifestations. Um, and I, I've got a VR headset because I'm, uh, you know, I'm a pervert. Um, I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was playing, um, I was playing this this game, Phasmophobia. I put the VR headset on and I walk into this suburban house, and you, you're never prepared for how real it feels with with a VR headset on. And so I feel like I'm actually in this in this house. I'm walking around, and there's nothing to be seen. It's fine. All the lights are out. I walk back out to my van to get some like ghost hunting equipment and I turn around and one of the the lights inside the house has turned on and and I just got in the van and drove off and took the VR headset off and never played it again. I'm not going in there. I'm not seeing that. That's too scary for me. Well, I mean, to be fair, that does actually sound pretty <laughs> pretty spooky. <laughs> it's, yeah, I've heard it's... good things about that game. I have 
like it, it's not it's not violent or it's, it didn't jump out at me or anything but just the idea that that there was a ghost haunting the place i just didn't want anything to do with it i had to just walk away i don't care if anyone thinks i'm a coward i'm not i'm not dealing with that ghost too scary for me nope that's i i like that that's smart well you you're also going to make a mockery of my answer with that one uh, because, like, I, I I don't don't play a huge amount of video games, but the that I remember playing uh, the first Batman Arkham game, and this this is the one that was like really you know it wasn't particularly scary it wasn't something that I could yeah you know, I wasn't like shying away from the screen or anything, but there's a, a bit where you go like into the cellars and you have to stay quiet. Uh, because if your noise goes over a certain level, like Killer Croc comes up, but he's also mm-hmm. programmed to just jump up at random points as well. All right? This isn't something that it was like, it wasn't like scary to me, but it felt extremely tense. And it was that same sort of pit of your stomach tension that you get in horror films a lot of the time. You know, just when you know the thing's going to happen. But it's You're on not, sort of, uh, not it's like, quite there yet, you know. It's like uh, floating platforms, isn't it, that you're walking on? Yeah. Kind of like, and he's like pushing them up from underneath. Yeah, but then he'll just like jump up and chase you. Yeah. And it's like, it's because you have to be like ready all the time for it. And yeah, it, it just, it focuses your mind, your, your stomach tightens up and it's, yeah, it was really... I don't know why it affected me as much as it did because I imagine I'm probably the only person who thinks of it that way. But no, I I remember I remember it specifically being um, quite quite scary because you know he's there and you can't figure out where he is. Yeah, I think the idea of that him is also a big monster coming at you is probably mm. a, a reason that it it feels that a bit more impactful rather than just like a guy's going to jump out at you. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, what about you, Mark? What are you saying? Well, I've cheated twice because... Uh, oh, no, I've only cheated once because we're allowed to pick a horror game, right? <laughs> of course, yeah. You picked, yeah. We just said scary moment from a game. Right. Um, so they're both Resident Evil ones. Um, the first one is just Nemesis in general from Resident Evil 3. Uh, it's not the original one. Because the thing about Nemesis is you you couldn't do anything but run. You couldn't stand your ground unless you unlocked the minigun with infinite ammo, which I did later on, which made the game a lot better. But you couldn't but the thing about it when you first played it, whenever it whenever he showed up, it was all you could do was run and it was intense, you know, and he would just chase you and chase you and chase you until you got away. And it was really like um, you know. Whenever he showed up, it was a tense moment. I quite liked it for that. But the main one for me is Resident Evil 2. And, oh, it's Crocodile again. When it just... I don't know if you remember Resident Evil 2, but it just bursts out of the water out of nowhere, this absolutely giant crocodile. And you have to run down a sort of sewer to get away from it, but it's so close to you all the time. Um, Mm. And it's just like a sort of heart-racing moment. I really enjoyed it. Um, or did I, or did it scare the life out of me? One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm somewhere, somewhere in between with that. I, I either scared me or I really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, Resident Resident Evil, I think, have, have always been quite good for that. I think, um, you know, I might as well go for the first one as well. That first time they cut scenes with a zombie is also quite scary as well. Oh, he's um, like bald, isn't he? He's got an eyeball kind of. Yeah, around. and it's eating some dude, and then yeah, uh, they they do a cheeky little cutscene, and you're like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. I, I remember playing uh, your VR headset actually, Sam, and it was Resident Evil Seven, I think. Seven, I think yeah, that that, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it for my birthday, didn't I? Yeah, and we, we were looking around, sort of. We were just in. So like a you know a decrepit overgrown farmhouse sort of thing, and mm. just just wandering around it, thinking this isn't up to much, and then just a fella walking out of nowhere, just 
That's taking right, you by yeah. surprise. That was yeah, that was pretty uh pretty good. I'd forgotten yeah. about that, yeah. That is a tense, tense video game. Even playing it without VR, it's tense as hell. Um I remember they brought a demo for that. Um that didn't really have any anything in it, but there was a moment in it where you were in a room with mannequins, and I don't know if this is in the main yeah. game or not, but then you turn around and the mannequins are all in completely different positions. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like, oh, uh, I don't like this. I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, delightful. Well, there you go then. I think that's the, is that the final slice of bread? Did we do it? Have we achieved? I reckon we have, uh, yeah, we've, we've made a, made a tasty butty there. Beautiful, beautiful horror sandwiches, which of course I always fill with blood because uh, I'm a vampire or something. I don't know. Something <laughs> hilarious. Uh, yeah, so let's do it then. Let's let's bring this show to a close. Um, and if you listen to the two idiots at the beginning, not accusing Matthew of being an idiot. Um, oh, no. But I am. Uh, all right. If you listen to the two idiots at the beginning, then you know what to do. You join the Facebooks. You Go on the Instagrams. You you do a thing. Um, download the episode. And uh yeah, we're here every week, so you know, come back. I think that's it, is it? I think so. Yeah, we'd love to see you. Well, we'd love to talk to you. Yeah, well, we'd love to see you. If you want a guest on here, you just message and we'll get you on. We're 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 not scared. We'll we'll have anybody. Um Except Elon Musk. He's out. Oh, yeah. Forget it. <laughs> if you're listening, Elon Musk, you're out. Actually, he's probably got more power than I have. You're in. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'd sell out for a Tesla sponsorship. Fine. We're selling out for Tesla sponsorship. So, Elon Musk, if you are listening, come and tell us about your favorite horror movies. Come on. Same to you, Bezos. Yeah, him as well. Uh, we'll ban Donald Trump. He's a prick, isn't he? Yeah, I'll st- yeah, we can. That's that's safe. <laughs> Mind you, I don't want to get fired. We're not banning anyone. Right, let's go. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Cheerio.